0: podcast is a quest for well-being a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths enlightening ideas insights on physical mental and spiritual health the inspiration is love the aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations.
1: (laughs) Valeria interviews Grace Avalon, The author of Thank God I'm Crazy My Journey to Sanity. How is it possible to tell you that you are walking with the light of God in you? People travel to wonder at the mountains, the seas, the rivers, the stars, and yet they pass themselves by without wondering. Don't put prophets on pedestals. Look in the mirror. When visions Grace Avalon experienced actually came true over 20 years, she was startled to discover that this journey called life is merely waking up from our own insanity and that God is in all things. Wisdom comes in trusting life, not the illusion. When we are in joy, we are in truth. At 22, Grace left her body to be swept into luminous, kaleidoscopic, light-bearing images of places she'd never seen. Escaping from her abusive life and marriage, in joyous laughter, she surrendered to its beauty and was briefly placed in a mental hospital by her husband. Coming out, Grace saw a world of betrayal, fear, and war. This was insanity the sanity was the love she came to know in the light. In her memoir of surreal coincidences is also found a miraculous new level of forgiveness. Life is a working, self-correcting dream and a treasure hunt to uncover love's sanity, which leads us to a joyous awakening and teaches us how to lighten up With renewed vision, we can also see that everything in our seeming physical existence, things, places, objects, our bodies, are all symbolic, interactive reflections which are used by spirit to guide us to awakening. Symbols are a psychological mechanism that transforms meaning. Carl Jung Everyone has their own guiding symbols, their own inner voice, And the power of choice. Grace's path out of hell also becomes a demonstration of a course in miracles made practical. Her memoir, Thank God I'm Crazy, includes pictures of places which actually occurred as seen in her visions. Grace Avalon, a graduate of Hood College, Frederick MD, BA in Education, minor in Psychology, is certified in psychosynthesis a body, mind, and spirit counseling program, and has taught a course in miracles for nine years. She has been interviewed on CBS and ABC TV. Grace, author of Thank God I'm Crazy, offers presentations to inspire others to know their own inner voice and their own unique blueprint to life's oneness, often reflected in their personal symbols. A former educator, administrator, and businesswoman, Grace, also a relationship counselor, gives seminars and workshops for anyone who's known abuse, thought they were crazy, or wants to live a meaningful life. Thank God I'm Crazy with Forward by Gary Renard, international best-selling author of Disappearance of the Universe, is endorsed by Marianne Williamson, New York Times best-selling author of Return to Love. Lynn Andrews, New York Times internationally best-selling author, whose book Medicine Woman became a virtual aspect of Grace's journey. Beverly Hutchinson, founder, of Miracle Distribution Center. Stephen Halpern, Grammy-nominated composer and sound healer. And by Kyle Cease, famed comedian and transformational speaker. Thank God I'm Crazy, published by Waterfront Press is available on Amazon and at Barnes & Noble in digital and paperback. To learn more about Grace Avalon, please visit her website, graceavalon.com. Here is the interview with Grace Avalon. In your own words, who is
0: Grace Avalon? Oh, my. Well, that's a big question,
2: but I think I would answer that in two parts. Uh, In what I call this illusory world of form, I've been a mother and a former abused child and victim of an abused marriage, a special education teacher, an administrator, a businesswoman, a counselor, and an author. But all of this is Grace's ongoing special curriculum in this lifetime. That is helping me to continue to awaken from what I've learned to see as a collective dream of insanity that we call the world. These uh, particular experiences are what my higher self, or some may call the Holy Spirit, knows that I need in order to remove blocks that are caused by fear that I have which keep me from seeing what is real, the only thing that is real, and that is love. And there is nothing else. Um, This is something that uh, is stated so uh, clearly in A Course in Miracles, which I have spent many years with. That is what I really am and what I've learned to see in everyone when I look beyond the body. Because grace is an innocent and perfect child and the creation of God and part of the one, and so is everyone else. And while I seem to be in this dream of life, as I call it. I'm peeling away thoughts from the ego's ideas of guilt and judgment and fear. And these are all aspects of one mad idea that we could all be separate. So I'm doing this by forgiving myself and everyone else uh, for believing that we are separate. And in this way, I'm, I'm awakening from this insane dream at my own pace to accept the eternal gift of life, which actually has already given me. <laughs> and that's okay. why I, I, I'll just say, uh, concluding, that's why I was inspired to write this book, Thank God I'm Crazy for Others, and to call of that in order to share my prophetic experiences, which taught me that when we can see the insanity of our lives, then it opens the door for us to see the sanity of the love that we really are. And I always love to quote Mark Twain, who says, um, when we remember we are all mad, the mysteries disappear and life
0: stands explained. (laughs) Mm. Wow, how wonderful. Thank you so much, Grace. Yeah, that's beautiful. So before we talk about some of the topics in your book. Thank God I'm crazy. I have a few warm-up questions, as I mentioned, off-record. So the first one, I guess I'll ask you this question now. I, I saved it for later here for some reason, but I'll ask you now. What is your own definition, or what is to be crazy? (laughs) (laughs)
2: Oh, I love that question. (laughs) Well, to be crazy is to believe in the illusion of the world. Because, you know, if we look for logic and we look for good solutions, we might find them, but they're only temporary. Uh, The world will never satisfy us. Uh, And that doesn't mean we have to go around being miserable. It's a whole other part of my my story. But to be crazy is to believe in the illusion of the world, and it is all out of fear. It's insanity, where sanity is when we see only love.
0: And that takes training, takes mind training. Right. And that leads to my next question. What is the mind? Where is the mind?
2: Ah, well,
0: the mind, first of
2: all, is we are all one mind. There is no individual mind. Even the word soul implies that we are separate. We're all one mind and it is all flowing like we're in a collective illusion. But that illusion is not real, but we are. And that's really important. Who we are is... uh, as I said earlier, an innocent child of God, created by God, and we're waking up to that. It's as if we've been—I always like to say in my classes—it's as if we've been given a toy that we uh, is way beyond our um, our ability. And you know, like say we're five years old, we pick it up, we throw it, we can't make it work. You know, we stomp on it, and uh, <laughs> and then all of a sudden we make
0: it work, and it looks good, and then and then it quits. <laughs> mm-hmm, true. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute too, the way you put that. <laughs> what is life to you? What is your understanding of what life is? Oh, boy. Well, you
2: know, life is an illusion. I'll just say that in the very beginning. Uh, it is essentially what where we think we are. But life in this world, uh, is it's a dream. It's an illusion. But it's a learning, teaching illusion. It's like we're all in the same university and we all have different curriculum, but we don't all have a different truth. And that's important. A lot of New Age thought especially wants us to believe we all have our own individual truth. Well, that's a loving concept, but it's misleading. The truth is the truth. What we do have individually is our own curriculum. We have our own assignments, and every single one of us, all our assignments, uh, every single individual is uh, that we are that we seem to be now. Because as I said earlier, we're one. All of them are important. What we do is important, and uh, it helps us to wake up. Thus, the mind at the same time.
0: Right. Do you think that the illusion is needed to discover what is real? You mean
2: the concept of the illusion?
0: Yeah, yeah, I would say, yeah, I think everything is a concept. <laughs> what is not?
2: <laughs> yeah, well, we don't, you know, we don't have to all look at it that way. A Course in Miracles, which uh, is uh, spiritual psychology, psychological, spiritual uh, training that helps us to see love and let go of fear, uh, uses the model that there is the world that we see, which is an illusion. And there is the ego, which is that other part of us that wants us to believe the world is real. But we don't have to call it an illusion. I mean, it's just a sense of knowing that um, that there is, that we're, we're more, that this is, I mean, we all know we're all going to go. <laughs> we're all going to go sometime because that's what this life is about. This uh, illusion is about. It's, it's, a, it's a dream of what the Course calls it's a dream of death. But within this illusion, we're, it, we're learning. Time is the learning device, the Course says, and that time will end. You know, even Einstein said, "All of life is an illusion, albeit a persistent
0: one. <laughs> so I'm wondering what the ultimate purpose of this illusion, of this dream, of this relative reality really is. The purpose of the dream, yeah,
2: was' a, the dream itself was a mistake. For which we should have absolutely no guilt because the ego loves that ego loves guilt. it's just a matter <laughs> it's just a matter of realizing that that's all and choosing again for love and the purpose is to wake up the dream and uh, see this is why um, my book and a course in miracles are so uh, clear about life's not just an illusion; it's a dream. The difference is that an illusion, yeah, okay, so what? What can we do about that? A dream is there's an end, and you wake up, and that's that's the whole point. Uh Is that we are we are moving towards that, but while we're doing that, and we're learning. Uh, to love and to forgive, and and we don't have to be miserable. In fact, as we learn to do this and let go of our fears and to learn to forgive, uh, forgiveness is very radical uh, in my view and in the Course's view in that we forgive not because we're compassionate or we're so spiritual or we're good people, but we forgive because it never happened. Mm, and so, nice. you know, that's a, that's a big jump.
0: Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I'm familiar with the Course in Miracles. And I love this concept. Everything's an idea. But some ideas we have, especially in the dream, is love. This perception that we think we know what love is. It's just beautiful, too, in whatever form and way we interpret. What is love to you, Grace. Wow, that's a big word. All right,
2: let me let me just give that a thought. How do I find, I, I don't want to, love is, it's sanity. And love is the only thing that is real. A uh, Course in Miracle says right up front um, that the um, only thing that we have to fear, uh, that we, there is nothing to fear because there is nothing that is real except love. And everything that we all do is love or a call for love. If we back it down, you know, we say, okay, what's this for? What's this for? How come they did that? Blah, blah, blah. Go to the bottom. And what is it we all want is love. I know Oprah said in her show once, um, she's commented several times, that one thing she found out about everyone that she's ever interviewed is that we all want to be seen. We all want to be heard. So love is sanity, and that's what I found. You know that I wrote about in my book. That I realized after I had the visions that I had, and I I came out of this mental hospital where I was for nine days, where my husband put me because I was laughing so hard because the visions were so euphoric. <laughs> it was, you know, it was like fear literally stopped. And and when I came out and looked around at the world, I said the. This is this is not what I saw. This is not the truth, and
0: the truth I felt was just deep, deep love. Mm. Would you also use the words unconditional love or unconditional giving and receiving? Ah, uh, yes, yes, uh huh. Unconditional, totally. Uh, what I call
2: it is radical forgiveness. Uh, but we're on un- we're without any conditions because we are each because we love each other. But also because there's a little little step further, because we're not really here. We're not really here. That's the weird part that's really, you know, a lot of course people kind of put the book back on the shelf at that point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, and we are we're real. We're very real, but we're not this body. We are all one divine mind created in the likeness and image of God. And God is not a body. Uh, God has no mortal aspects, that, thank God.
0: <laughs> Access in that is what we call miracle, I would say. That's the miracle because it is challenging to wake up from that dream and to see pretty much everything as an illusion except that, the deep love.
2: Oh, Valeria, that's
0: yeah, that's beautifully said. Yes, a miracle is letting go of fear and seeing only love, no matter what the image is in front of you. Imagination. Would you put that in the same category as dreams and illusions, or imagination somewhat different?
2: Um, not necessarily.
0: Uh-huh. Yes, I would. And it really
2: goes back to what I learned about symbols. I really, I mean, I learned that. There is a voice within us. There is a power within us that is not of us, and that we we are able to hear that if we're willing. But we have to be consciously willing, and that's kind of what happened. Well, that is what happened to me when I got uh, like it was like <laughs> uh, what I call the velvet hammer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hello, you know, <laughs> there, there's something else going on here besides, uh, you know, grace. And even though my life was terribly miserable, I was in an abusive marriage and had been an abusive child, extremely so. Um, I mean, I, I just, I i knew that there was something else, but I didn't know what it was. So then I began, well, I'll just tell you, give you a quick example Um One thing that happened after I, uh, 10 years later, after I came out of the mental hospital, I was only there for nine days and uh, I had two children to raise and I'd gone back to college and I was doing an art project and um, I was at home and I sat down on the stool and my other projects had taken, oh God, weeks because I have some talents, but art isn't one of them. <laughs> so I sat down on the stool and something took my brush. And in 45 minutes, there was this piece, uh, this abstract piece in front of me that was way beyond my own capability. And I was exhausted. I went, uh, laid down on the bed and came back and looked at it. And I could see my future. And I, I can't tell... I cannot possibly explain how, I just could see through that those symbols that I could see my future, A, and B, it was not good, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was going to be really rough for a while, and it was, it was exactly as what I'd seen, but the difference is that when you call, it wasn't my imagination, but my knowing, my inner knowing, because of my earlier experience, was that something is guiding me. And and so there was a, there was a level of inner peace in, in the midst of all of my turmoil where I trusted and I knew that there is this power within me that is not of me. And when we just get quiet, you know, that's when imagination comes about. And when we just get quiet, in fact, I just have to tell you, I'm, I'm working on a second book and I just said art right, spirit. If I'm supposed to do this, then then I, then you give me a title, please. I can't come up with a title. So I was making the bed the other day, and whoops, there it is. <laughs> it just comes. <laughs> but right. I, yeah, and I don't. I
0: do feel that it is given to us if we're willing, if we're open. I like that. I love the way you say, consciously willing to be open. So I wonder what it takes to become open to love. Does it always take challenges and suffering? Uh, Oh, boy, that's a great question. (laughs) Well, A Course in Miracles says
2: that spirit speaks only in the silence. So that's why meditation is, you know, so emphasized in so many uh, international spiritual beliefs and, and philosophies, that we must calm ourselves and, and get connected with that part that's within us. And then it becomes like we put on glasses that are love glasses.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And <laughs> I like that. I love that. <laughs> and, love glasses. Yeah. Yeah, right. (laughs) You know, you've heard of the uh, the pink. You know, see the world through rose-colored glasses. Well, we put on our rose-colored love glasses, and it's not that we don't see what's happening, but we know who we are. Even the most, you turn on the TV, and the the politician that irritates you the most, (laughs) it that that person was once a child, a baby, and you know, but even at that point, we're all. We're all perfect in the eyes of God. We're stumbling our way through this dream to wake up to something that is indescribable to in words to, you know. So, but love, yeah. Love takes practice. Yeah, right. True. It does. And that's what the course is about. As you might be familiar with Valeria, the course has 365 lessons in the workbook. It's three books. And in the work, uh, there's there's the text, which is, it's all in your head. You know, we can read books and say, I know that. But to do it is a whole different thing. It's like learning to play the piano. Yeah, okay, I know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know. What the scale is, but to put that all together and make music out of it, oh boy. So so love, because, you know, we're, let's face it, we're human. We're in a human uh, situation. But this is, it's so beautiful when, because you recognize I did anyway, I recognize the authority of the voice that is that comes from A Course in Miracles. Now, I, I wanna just put a caveat there. I don't, and the Course says that it's not the only way to God, but if it attracts, you know, if you're attracted to it, then this is your way, and I definitely was. If you're ready for it, it's it's, it's a radical uh, belief, as is mine, but it, it work, for me, it works, and for a lot of people, it works. You know, a Course in Miracles is, um, oh, and I think I'm not current on this, but at least 22 languages. And there are groups that meet all around the world, th- you know, thousands and thousands of groups. And uh, the course is getting more well-known all the time. But learning to be loving, it makes you happy. Mm, yeah.
0: <laughs> it is definitely a happy a joyful practice. and yeah, no doubt about that. <laughs> Love is an experience of happiness. I love that too the way you say it. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. What is freedom to you? What does it mean to be free? Oh, well, uh freedom to me means to let go of guilt and
2: to let go of um and that that my own guilt. We have a lot of unconscious guilt that really came from let's just say, you know, we there's a lot of analogies of The Big Bang and the beginning, and in Adam and Eve, and so forth. And of course, his analogy or example of that is that in all of eternity, where all is one right now, the Son of God, that being all of us, had one tiny mad idea. And that idea was that we could be separate from God. And so we immediately, uh, so then it says, but we forgot to remember to laugh at that idea. And that's our only mistake. And so from that, we are now in this, it's almost like in that very instant the body was formed, the ego was formed. This is all our defense against that one wrong decision. So we're in this formation that we that seems to be, seems to be very real. So for us to be free in this this mess that we created, yeah, right. is, <laughs> yeah. you know, is to let go of guilt, that guilt. And we have so, this is something I've, in my last few years, have been so uh, aware of, is that we have a lot of unconscious guilt. You know, that sense that we're a worm in the dust, and, uh, you know, I'm not good enough. Or if anybody knew who I was really am, oh my gosh, you know. That kind of just existing guilt,
0: just because we think we exist. So I'd say that's the first step. At this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? Oh golly, I love that you asked that because just prior to
2: seeing coming into this interview, I flipped off the television uh, where um, I live in the um, in California near Los Angeles and there is a large mural being painted as we speak that says, resist hate. And I just think it's so wonderful that really there's, I mean, we're going through, um, it's not just a uh, um, pandemic, it's a paradigm. It's a paradigm of shifting. And the only way that we can do that is for the dark to come up. And goodness knows for the last... Uh, what, several years, we have seen hate and darkness and, you know, mistrust and, and, mis- and abuse. We've always seen that, but it seems to have accelerated. And so why is it there? It's on our screen, the screen of our one mind. And we're looking at the darkness because the darkness cannot be healed unless it is brought up and let the light heal it. So I believe that the light is now... Healing, the darkness, you know, a lot of it's happening. A lot
0: of good is happening out of this. Yeah, I believe that too, Grace. Yeah, We can't really heal what we don't know that is in in need for healing. So that needs to be exposed. Oh, good point. Yes. If we don't even know we're on the wrong path, how can we heal it? (laughs) It's the right, let's say, course. Everything is as it should be. Yes. What is your understanding and idea of peace? Peace is joy. It is uh, tranquility.
2: It is laughter. I love laughter. Uh, It is um, accepting what everyone as they are. Uh, It is letting go of the ego's qualities of judgment. And, and as I said, guilt and anger and attack. Because if we are doing those things, we're not at peace. You know, the Course says that uh, when you attack someone, even if it's just in your mind, the analogy is that there's a sword that falls on their head, but that sword falls on your head at the same time. And so our thoughts are the most important things because we are all one mind and our mind is what, we're changing our mind. We're making choices all the time. And as we change our mind uh, from a situation that maybe, you know, is really challenging and we just say to ourselves, I forgive that. And this is what of Course helps us to do more quickly. I mean, in the beginning, it's like it takes days or weeks or months. But pretty soon, You get so you can say, I forgive that. I let it go. I recognize it isn't real
0: and I see what is real.
2: And then I'm in peace.
0: I love this idea of inner peace. It starts with the mind, right? Thoughts. And that's another question I often ask regarding thoughts. Do we replace them? Do we add new ones or we remove those harmful thoughts? Oh, harmful thoughts. Oh, I see what you're
2: asking. We just say, choose again. I like to say, cancel, cancel. And it's gone. Don't We don't hold on to it. We don't give it any energy. The ego would love that. It would love to come back and remind you of what you just thought.
0: Right, right so true. <laughs> to make you... So true. What is the ego? I know a lot of people call it the false self. How can we navigate this relative reality without the ego?
2: Oh, boy. Well, the ego, as I said, is what was uh, seemed to come into being when we made that choice to be separate and forgot to laugh at it. And that's when um, bodies, we seem to have bodies, we seem to be separate. And the ego will defend that. It defends the dream, and it defends it in any way it can. The ego loves controversy. It loves... um, um, Judgment, it loves confusion. Of course, says the ego uh, is suspicious at best and vicious at worst. And but it will come to you and, and won't say, as Marianne Williamson often says, <laughs> the ego doesn't say, Hi, I'm your worst friend. <laughs> the ego is very sly, you know, and it'll give us uh, you know, special things all the time in order to keep us believing in it. Yeah, we got that brand new car. Okay,
0: great. Now what? After three years, it's a three-year-old car. True. <laughs> <So. laughs> it takes a, a highly conscious mind and a lot of awareness to, I mean, loving, loving awareness, I call it. Well, yes, like you said, that's what we need to do is become conscious of it. and all, of,
2: and, and we're always in the right mind or the wrong mind. And there is no gray area. That's, that was really helpful for me to learn because then everything is much clearer. Uh, we're either in the mind of the ego or the, or the right mind, which is the, that inner inner voice. And uh, so what I began... I love that clarity. Uh, <laughs> well, and so what we began to do then is we say, oh, okay, where did that thought come from? And if it's the ego, then we just let it fly away. Like I mean, it, it it melts away. Don't even give it any any image of form, because all form is the dream. All of form, including the universe. What, where, and who is God? What is God? God is that that source. I would say that that God is. I want to pick my words carefully here. (laughs) It's a word or a symbol that's been used over centuries to refer to that mysterious source of all life. But as I said, God is not a body or a being. God is the source of love. And that's within the mind of you and me and all of us. And And so then God can be seen in everything. God has created us, but God did not create the world we see. Now, that's a biggie also. This is, God is not part of this dream. God is outside of the dream, and um, the Holy Spirit is the is the mediator or the bridge. But God is not of this world, uh, but it's it is the love in us that connects us with God until we choose to awaken and become one with that love and only that. Would you say that God is everywhere? Oh, yeah. well, yes, because everywhere in the dream, because God is within us all. So, yes, and, and we are co-creators of love with God, but we did not, and we cannot create God. It's like, just as I'm a child of my mother and my father, I can also create children, but I cannot create my own parents and nor can I create God. So God's the beginning, and there is no end. There is no
0: time except in the dream. Only eternity is real. So let's talk about your work. (laughs) Enough with the warm-up questions. (laughs) How did you become a writer, Grace?
2: Oh, boy. Great question. You know, that's something I never as uh, earlier in my life ever desired to be. And when it came time to write the book, I resisted it for a long time because I knew it was going to be a big job. And it did take 10 years for me to write the book. Um, But I, I... Once I'd had that initial experience, I was only 22 when I had these visions of just amazing kaleidoscopic light. As I said, it was like time stopped. There was no fear. There was no sense of any kind of uh, fear. And um, I was... I'll just say I was sitting on the sofa like at 4 a.m. one morning and I'd had uh, my second child and this was an abusive marriage and I was crying and all of a sudden I left my body and that's when these experiences, uh, these visions took place and the visions themselves uh, first of all just dancing kaleidoscopic light like a, a beautiful uh, floating journey But there were also images of places in that light, like a driveway and a road sign uh, and a mountain. And uh, the driveway had like, you know, evergreen trees. It wasn't just any driveway around it. And uh, I just, you know, I just, all I wanted to do was laugh. And that's how I ended up in the hospital because my husband thought I was crazy. And And then I told you about my experience with the uh, um, art piece and then something at about five years after I had done that uh, piece of art and I still didn't know why or what was happening um, what happened was the places that I saw in my kaleidoscopic vision started to actually happen um, and I'll give you just a couple of examples uh, the, the first one was the driveway Um, with evergreen trees I had it was at a very dark another turning dark time turning point in my marriage and I was I had found out that my husband was having an affair with my best friend so I'm I'm driving up her driveway you know in in despair I mean I might have just gone into full full full-on depression Uh, and I realized all of a sudden I'm looking and this, there's that's the driveway with the evergreen trees and the sun shining through them exactly as I'd seen in my vision. So I began to know, wait a minute. this is just like the art piece. I'm being guided here. This is supposed to be. And that's all I knew. And then uh, um, later, I finally, with one hundred and fifty dollars in my pocket, got the <laughs> got the courage to leave my abusive husband. And um, during a very lengthy, horribly um, bitter divorce, I was living uh, in a, on my own. And one night, driving um, in a on a country road, and it was late at night, and I realized I could see the license plate of my husband's car behind me, and he was like to drink, and I knew that. It was, you know, if he caught up, because he had been very physically abusive, if he caught up with me, I didn't know what that might mean. So I was frantic and very scared. And then all of a sudden, I looked to my right, and there was a road sign that I had seen in my vision, uh, the highway road sign, and exactly um, highway 144. And it be a little road that from New Market to Frederick, Maryland, where I lived at the time, and I was just led to to think, okay, go to the main street of town where the police are, you know, because they, all the kids are coming out of the <laughs> out of the bars. Go there, and you'll be safe. And then I just be, that's when I began to listen to to that voice that you know you talked about, that intuition, that inner knowing that is within me but not of me and so they became guiding symbols for me over several decades as my visions because there were many there were 13 and I have them all in the book pictures of them all and you know as they manifested in the book so um and i i had i came to an uncommon trust in the unknown and to believing in my own inner voice and each time they would mark turning points in my life by listening to my inner that you know voice within me. I was led to find the strength to face my own fears, and as I said, leave my husband. And um, they also taught me that everything symbolically can hold a message to guide me to my wholeness. Um, yet, as I shared in the book, I. I needed to learn that the guidance guidance is not in the symbol itself. but guidance is in the message that it carries from our intuitive, I'm using your word because I, I like that and it goes well with what I'm saying, intuitive message from our higher mind. And um, I, uh, Carl Jung had said, you know, the famous Swiss psychologist said, symbols are a psychological mechanism that transforms mating. So over the next 20 years, my life, I realized, was beginning to feel like a dream that I'd once had. And now I was only remembering it again. I was not only remembering it again, but I was living it. And I had begun to find sanity in this insane world uh, because I was finding love and, and guidance and peace, you know, inner peace. So that's why I was inspired to write this book for others. And as I said earlier and call it, thank God I'm crazy. The first part of the book tells the story of my being guided to freedom uh, from my abusive husband. And the second part tells how I found a peaceful way of life that I did not even know existed. And many don't, especially those who have grown up with with, uh, any any kind of abuse. So, but I will just tell you also, there was a big turning point in my life that made me um, know that, well, I, I call it my Certificate to Sanity. <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> That's cute. Or, or, or It was when I met the Course in Miracles, because not only were my visionary symbols actually happening, but their guidance later came, that later brought me to more more visions of dark past lives so it was like not just this life but other lives and and i valeria i was brought up my my abusive father was a layman southern baptist minister and it, i was brought up with you know just all kinds of document, you know the things that i had to believe and memorize chapters in the bible and i did not believe in past lives but this is what happened and uh but By remembering it, it allowed me to heal karma that I was carrying from those lives as well. But I had no metaphysical background. So all the while, I kept everything a secret. And that wasn't easy. You know, it was like I was leading two lives. I was a teacher. I was a professional administrator. We were well known in the community. Uh, Socially, I entertained. And it was like I was two people. And uh, I I didn't doubt what I knew, but I just thought people would think I'm crazy. So <laughs> the reason and a um, long answer to your question why why did I want to become an author or did I when in 1985, a friend um, took me to a workshop in in San Diego uh, where, Ken Wapnick was beginning to talk about A Course in Miracles. Ken Wapnick is one of the people that brought A Course in Miracles into being. And as I said, it's a psychological training to train the mind to see that only love is real. And it was then that I learned, I learned that the Course says that life is a dream. And we are all one mind. And together we're all in a collective, insane illusion. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> yeah but all in our illusion can be used by the Holy Spirit as a symbol to guide us back to love. And then it said, and the dream is already over, and that's a whole other story. I, I mean, First of all, the first part, I just wept in amazed relief to hear that, you know, it wasn't writing what I was suspecting uh, was true, but I didn't really understand the part about life being over. Um, because that's what it said—that we're not really here; we're safe at home with God, remembering our own exile. And I didn't understand that until
0: the revelation of the mountain. Would you like to hear about that? Yes, please. Yes, yeah, Grace. <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> well, what happened was, I—I I, I did. I really knew. I thought in my mind, "When's that mountain going to come up?" And I had moved. To California, my home, where I was raised and lived in Dana Point, moved to Dana Point, which I was also guided to. That's another story. But um, and I would go to Newport to work every day. Well, one day I would I was coming uh, home from a different direction from San Diego, and I saw, oh my! And I was just getting off at my exit. And I oh my God! there is the mountain I saw in my vision. I had a vast view of it. I had been living below that mountain for four years, going through some of the things I've just described and all of that healing. But I still couldn't understand. I said, okay, so why? What's the point? Why am I here? How did I get here? (laughs) And the mountain vision confirmed and then showed me as I said, that I'm not really here. And the way I did that is that um, I, I, I had been living at the foot of that mountain, and I finally said, okay, I, I have to go on that mountain. And this, it wasn't just any mountain. It was a mountain with a six-lane highway below it with a sign straddling that mountain that was blank. And you could, um, there was nothing. On that sign which was really weird and that was true as i came back from san diego because it was the back of my own sign to get off the freeway which said beach cities <laughs> and los rambos so um i went up on the mountain and i i realized as i was standing there that i had um only seen the reverse side when I lived below that mountain, going back and forth daily for four years. And I understood then Dr. Wapnick's statement about life, the illusion is already over, because there I was, standing in my own vision. Because life and time was already over when I had seen this mountain in my visions in 1960, or uh, I could not have seen um I could not have seen it in 1994. You know, it just it manifested, and so I've gone into the mystic story that it really is a mystical story in my book. But I'll just um, the aha evolved, and I will just suffice it to say that it's like uh, a twinkling star. You know, we look up at the sky at night, and we the stars are beautiful, but if we've had any any courses in science at all, we know that um, it's already burned out. And it just takes time for its illuminating rays to reach our mortal vision. So I look at it as though, and uh, the echo, I felt like I'm standing on this mountain. The voice of God has been expressed, as the Bible says, in the beginning is the Word, and the Word was God. And the Word has been expressed but I'm on another mountain. So what happens when a voice from one mountain to the other happens? There's
0: an echo. <clears throat> so I see us living in the echo, waiting and remembering who we really are. What are the impediments? What are the obstacles for some of us not to listen to that voice? Well, if I can answer that
2: in one word. It's the ego. The ego is that part of our mind that things were here and all the the negativity that we see in the world, you know, the abandonment, the betrayal, uh, uh, the killing, the, you know, inhu- inhumanity to man. This is all part of what um, uh, it, it, you can put it into the concept of the ego. And, and the ego does not want you to recognize love because then it doesn't no longer exists. And when it no longer exists, we wake up. So we are resisting
0: waking up because we're afraid, we're fearful, we're fearful of what we don't know. So we're almost at the end of the interview and I have forgiveness is a huge subject. I love the way in the Course of Miracles is expressed that there's nothing to be forgiven in the first place. Do you have another way of teaching forgiveness for those who yet don't understand that profound wisdom?
2: Well, for example, how could you forgive others when you've been victimized? Mm -hmm. Ultimately, once we realize that our goal is to be happy, there really isn't any other choice than to forgive. There there isn't any power in being a victim. And to not forgive, I I discovered, is also being a victim. And I know you've heard that saying, because I heard it on one of your other interviews. I used to say this to my class. It's said that, You know, there's a saying, I think it's an old American Indian saying, that to not forgive is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. So who's miserable? You know, if I don't forgive, I'm the miserable one. But (laughs) the other person just goes on with their life. So I've learned that I always have a choice. I can choose to project guilt and judgment, and that would be the ego, which keeps me miserable. Or I can choose what I call positive denial, which we've described you know, and talked about as uh, radical forgiveness. And that's to forgive all the way. Uh, and all the way would be to see the higher, the innocence in that other person. And since we're all one mind, uh, that person is also me. And I don't try to deny what's happened, but I'm learning to look past it to the part of that other person that is joined with me in our oneness, and that takes practice. It's not something <laughs> you know that yeah. that we are inclined to do. <laughs> yes, that's true. But it does work, and I know, I know, uh, I know many people who um, you know stu- they in my world. Of course, there are a lot of them stu- students, of course, in Miracles, but not always who.
0: I go, well, do you remember that movie, uh, You're Too Young, um, but the movie Gone with the Wind? Yeah, I heard about it. I think I watched, yes, but I don't remember the storyline. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a person in there. There's a wife who gets betrayed
2: by her best friend, who gets betrayed by um, someone who's supposed to be helping her uh, birth her baby and, and, and by her husband. And, and all she would do is smile and say, I know. I know, I know you didn't mean to do that. Well, when I was young and that movie came out, and I would say, oh my God, I don't believe that. It was like, yuck. (laughs) (laughs) Are you kidding me? (laughs) But that is what we do. (laughs) That is how we learn to let go of the ego. Why? Because we want to be at peace and we want to be happy. But, you know, I will just say, that um, people will say, you know, don't tell me that um, this is all of a dream. You know, I've got bills to pay. Um, I have food to put on the table. I'm not saying this is not our experience. And that's important. I'm saying that our experience is not real. But you know what, meanwhile, we can be normal, we can be happy. Uh, It doesn't mean we can't have sex, we can't have things, we can't have wealth, we can't have cars. it's just a matter of what's going on inside of us. And I know when uh, when the symbols were helping me earlier on, I remember going outside and just laughing and going, putting gas in my car and thinking, oh, this is fun, you know? Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All of a sudden life was, it just, you feel lighter. And you look, I looked in the mirror, you know, if you see a picture of me now and a picture of me when I was being in abuse, you could see in my eyes the difference. You can see the difference. And I'm not saying I'm there or I wouldn't be sitting here right now. <laughs> I, I would be, uh, you know, the whole idea is is enlightenment. But what I can say is that the
0: journey has been one of learning how to let go and lighten up. Somebody said to me recently, she said, it's not about enlightenment. It's about enlightenment, just being alive. Seeing everything as a miracle, so that brings joy from that space of peace. Yeah, that made sense to me too. The way she said it. Yes, because you do become more alive. It's you're more awake. I mean, that's what it is. You're more awake. I have a few questions for you. I call them final questions. But before that, would you like to add anything or read a part, a section in your book? I know we didn't speak about the Me Too movement. Oh, right. Right, right, right. Yes, well, that
2: is something I would like to see evolve into a, a better, um, a broader uh, stance uh, that includes domestic violence because it is so uh, insidious. It's so quiet and it, it destroys the spirit as well as harms the body. And, um, you know, there there are, um, I, I'm trying to think, there are statistics um, that are uh, amazing. It's like 137, I believe, women, not, not women, just 100. Well, yes, in a, in a um, study of death, 100 and, or killings, 137 women are, die around the world what, every day due to uh, family and someone they know. But back to, may I go back to your other question? What else would I like to say? Yes, yeah,
0: yeah.
2: All right, thank you. Um, well, I think the first, the most important idea for, for all of us is to trust what we know when we're coming from our heart. And to know that even if the world seems crazy, <laughs> remember who you really are is not crazy. We're all explorers together on this collective journey. And the world is its just a training ground for our higher and, and our happier knowing. Time being a learning device, we're always looking for the bigger picture because that is where our joy lies, as we just said. I think one of the most important ways to do that is to no longer see life as a struggle. The ego loves it when you set up walls and barriers because we're letting go of blocks. That's what the course teaches, letting go of blocks. Struggle creates opposition and the ego loves opposition and controversy. And that makes fear and negativity real. Um, And I'll just say perhaps one simple approach might be to begin shifting our focus of our perception of our own life so that we can allow ourselves to just sort of Gently lean into love. Just know we're doing that. And and don't feel guilty or judge ourselves if we become angry or fearful. Because we will become angry and we will become fearful. Uh, But just know that the ego loves that because then uh, you don't want to create guilt. Just choose again. Just allow it to be. Don't fight it. And forgive yourself. And love yourself for your ability to notice and to make that choice again. And then I think, lastly, as I said earlier, I think the, the the most important thing is to remember to laugh, and share your joy with others. As I laughed, you know, in my visions in the kaleidoscopic light, and and, and the course is telling us that we forgot to remember to laugh. Laughter's healing. It's sacred. It allows us to let go and be harmoniously bring us together. And it's when our It's when we are in our own authentic essence. And I always like to start my class. I always did for nine years with a joke, which I didn't tell. I read it because I'm not a good joke teller. (laughs) But but, the minute we did, it was like the room was cleared, you know, and we were all bonded.
0: (laughs) I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Grace. Yeah, laughter, yeah. There's something about laughter that we cannot laugh if we're not at peace. Well,
2: you know, I think that laughter opens the door to peace. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it helps us to, to to rise above ourselves and to uh, be an observer and say, oh my God, that was so silly. What was I thinking, you know? And then that's when we come to peace. <laughs> True. I love your so message. I always say, Oh, thank you. I I just want to say, I always say to people when I'm speaking, so when you find yourself staring into the headlights of fear, remember to stop and laugh at your temporary insanity and then say, (laughs) then say as I often do,
0: thank God I'm crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, (laughs) Yes. Um, I, I don't use that word that often for some reason. Well, the world has a very negative uh, view of it. That's another reason
2: it took me a while to put my book out because the first thing I got before the book from Spirit was,
0: that's the title. That's that's cute. (laughs) I have a few more questions for you. We're almost at the end. Let me see about four questions. What was the most challenging lesson to learn about life as of today?
2: Well, that would be to forgive you know what we've talked and talked about to forgive um, my abusers, and especially my father. Uh, there was an abuse as an uh, a young child that was hideous and it, and I write about it in the book. and it that's where I learned radical forgiveness actually, was that you know, letting go and and knowing that my father, who is no longer in form, uh, human form uh, is really a part of that one mind, and we're playing. You know, we're we're like diamonds. We're kaleidos, like I saw in the kaleidoscopic light. We're like diamonds, and we come together in lifetime after lifetime. I do believe in past lives. Oh, well, you don't have to. I mean, it's just that's my memory. That's my healing concept. When we come together uh, to to sand each other's rough edges because we're all diamonds in the rough. And so, you know, my father and I might have been, who knows, married, um, brother and sister, whatever, in another lifetime. But that lesson that I learned as, as I mean, this lifetime has been very difficult. Uh, I think anyone would look at, read my book and know that it was not uh, easy, but it's one I chose. The Course says that um, everything that happens to you um, happens that you, everything that happens to you that we have chosen and it happens exactly as you've asked, and we continue to make that those choices too. You know, what we're choosing is continuing to happen to us. That doesn't mean we can't shift and, you know, maybe kind of go into another um, uh, uh, what's the word I want, go into another dimension kind of. Uh, and skip over some lessons that might have been there, because <laughs> we've learned those lessons. Um, but but the, the program, the curriculum, Course in Miracles says, is all laid out
0: for each individual, that is, for each individual. I have a question for you. I love these words, surrender, acceptance, letting go. How do we know we are letting go and accepting and not giving up? I don't think we ever
2: do. I think that we're all on a spiritual journey, whether we know it or not. <laughs> when we let go, we go. We get up the next morning. We go. Well, I'm still here. You know, yeah, right. <laughs> or that person at work. You know, that it's like I, I cannot spend one more day with that person. I give up. You know. Well, they're still there. <laughs> mm, yeah. I think it's it's an ongoing process. We we can't we
0: we don't give up even though we get tired, or we seem to be tired. Right. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? Ah,
2: boy, that's a good question because I can answer that from uh, recent experience. Um, I spent 34 days in the hospital um, two years ago with colon cancer. I, I knew at the time, immediately said, you know, this is part of, this is God's will. This is part of my curriculum, and what I can do is to just let go and know that this is meant to be. I think, as The Course of Miracles says, everything that happens, I've asked for, and it happens exactly as I've asked. And I'm glad and I'm grateful that I have not ignored my lessons, that um, I've resisted some, <laughs> but I feel that I have forgiven all that seemed to happen. and And you know the course says that no one dies without their own permission. Yet it says also that there is no death. So that's the whole point. There is no death. Death is the it's only the dream. And I always I see it, and I talk about it in my book, is it's a graduation to another lifetime for a chance to make better choices, to become enlightened, or if I'm ready, death is the doorway to now experience enlightenment. But either way, I'll get there. And I'll get there along with everyone else because we are all safe at home with God, remembering our own exile mm-hmm. and <laughs> capable of awakening at any moment.
0: <laughs> what are three things about life that you know for sure as of now? I think
2: first of all is that I am innocent. I'm an innocent child of God, and I'm not a body, and uh, that body, that there is a power within me that is not of me, that speaks to me through my inner voice. And also, when I said I am innocent, everyone else is an innocent child of God as well.
0: Wow. Thank you so much for your wisdom, your genuine presence. I love how genuine you are. And the peace and the joy (laughs) that you Uh, express. Yes. (laughs) Well, it's been delightful, Valeria. (laughs) I've enjoyed talking with you. And one more technical question, Grace. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Ah, well, my website
2: is um, graceavalon.com. And um, my book, Thank God I'm Crazy. Is available on Amazon, um, also through Barnes and Noble, and also if you want to go to uh, Benefit Miracle Distribution Center, it's in their library. It's also in the library of um, uh, the community uh, up in San Francisco uh, Community Miracle Center, and uh, it's available in on Amazon, also in. Um,
0: on the internet it's on the internet (laughs) wonderful i'll have the link to on your podcast profile thank you so much again grace and we'll talk soon oh you are so welcome thank you bye for now bye
1: thank you for listening to learn more about grace avalon please visit her website graceavalon.com
0: more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Bigrock. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.